0: welcome back to open book policy i'm kelly i'm kaylee so how was your day um my day was fine
1: i practically slept all day and then did some management work how was that sounds
0: terrible it was pretty good it was pretty good um got my nails done went to lunch um read a book you know all the fun things in life spring break is where it's at buddy what book the Naturals and Killer Instinct. It's another young adult mystery thriller type of thing. So our book. Yes. Good Girl, Bad Blood by Holly Jackson. How are we feeling? Um, I definitely
1: liked the first one more. However, I'm still giving it five stars for different reasons as I did the first one.
0: Absolutely. I think this book is definitely a segue piece to her last one. Yep. Hopefully the last is where it's going to tie everything together and make more sense. Um, definitely a five-star book, like you said, for different reasons, though. It was a little bit of a slower read. Still wonderful, though. She's a great author.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so we'll the, the pacing of the book was a little bit different. I feel as if the first book had... Um, you know you were trying to guess something every couple, maybe ten, fifteen pages. there was new evidence introduced and whatnot. whereas this one it was more of like a a a mouse chase trying right, to right. find the person that was doing all
0: of this right and i think I think in this book in the in the first one, there were a lot more people of interest, I guess I would say. Um, In this one, she really had no definitive evidence against many people, you know, until closer towards the end of the book. And that is when everything started coming out more.
1: Yeah. What would you um, say you liked best about this book? Maybe comparing the last one or just in general?
0: I like how she portrayed more of the character's feelings not saying she didn't in the first one but this was more real you know it was um a lot of character growth therefore the characters had more opinions you really saw the other side of things more so than just pip running around hunting down a cold case killer do you think if the characters didn't have that type
1: of Emotional portrayal in the book would that have changed the plot any, or do you think you would have disliked the book?
0: I don't think I would have disliked the book. I think it definitely could have changed the plot some if she kept it with the theme of how the last book was going. You know, Pip was definitely more um, what's the word like she I'd was. Say she's more confident, more cautious this time. Oh, confident, yes.
1: I'm only saying that because in the first one. I don't know. She would just attack—not literally attack—but she would more so dig into characters and try and find what she wanted. Whereas this one, for example, when she talked to Nat, she said, "Um, you know, what will she think of me? she still hates me, but this has to happen." Blah 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 blah. She was so concerned about what people thought about her that
0: right. She was she was living a more realistic view of a yeah teenager. In this book, basically.
1: So what would be the thing you least enjoyed about this book?
0: How she presented some of the information in the book, I would say. Um, There were some things that were definitely just abrupt with like no mention of it earlier. Kind of like Stanley Forbes, you know, being Child Brunswick. Just like the first half of the book, really. No, no, I wouldn't say the first half but a lot of the beginning of the book you kind of just you didn't really know what was going on you know she was bouncing around from to different aspects of the case and all of that but in the end i think it it came together a little more just her abrupt abruptness with some of the information was not really my favorite yeah i definitely
1: you? wish there would have been some writing style changes not to say that I didn't like the part where Stanley was the child of a serial killer. I just didn't like how, like you said, it came out of nowhere. And I wish you would have provided some type of little Easter egg. I mean, he worked in the newspaper building of his town. Like you could have easily made some connection right. between a newspaper and him writing an article about an anniversary. Um, you could have even. You know, made a random news flash in the first book mentioning a serial killer moving or people trying to um, find him. Or or an even better one is have someone suggest in a podcast comment, like she was reviewing in this one, that, um, you know, for maybe her to try and solve the mystery between where this guy lived
0: Right, right. She didn't have to come right out and say it, but definitely a little hint towards it would have mm-hmm. been better than the last 20 pages of the book is when we find yeah. out that Stanley Forbes' is child Brunswick, and not really my favorite. but True. However, <laughs> <laughs> I guess she could give a little bit more insight. Um, We don't know if... Did it say in the book if Dad was dead? Yeah, he died. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Then I doubt there will be any more insight to Child Brunswick. So knowing what happened at the end,
1: how do you think the plot is going to occur in the next one? What type of elements do you think will be conjoined between all of the books? Mm, That's a hard
0: question.
1: (laughs) You go first. I, I think that... Charlie and, um, what was his wife's name? Max?
0: Oh, Flora. Flora.
1: Who's Max? Oh, I think he might be in, he might be a main person in the next one. Um, but I think Charlie and Flora are going to somehow come back and try and mess with Pip again.
0: Absolutely. Because... I mean, she can't just leave off with Charlie running away and never making an appearance again. I mean, especially because, I mean, that's literally how the book ended. He left and that was whole, that was like all of Pip's worries and concerns at the very end. You know, she kept thinking about Charlie and what's going to happen since she knew that he killed Stanley, obviously. But I think there's definitely going to be something going down with charlie and possibly pip in the next one
1: do you think um the book length was a good length do you think it was too long too short just
0: right i don't think it was too long at all or i don't think it was too short at all um could she have potentially added a little bit more in at the very end yeah I would have appreciated that because it left off at such an abrupt ending and just really messed with me because I was not a fan of how it ended. But um, I don't think it was too short at all. There was some unnecessary to me parts in the book, you know, like some of it just didn't really didn't really flow well with the overall theme of what she was getting at.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to there's one spark part specifically that i'm have in my mind but i can't recall the events that happened around it oh oh um even though stanley was at the cemetery when you find out that his co-worker is the daughter of the dead woman that he that they're trying to look for yeah um other than that i don't think any of that plot was necessary like i feel like even if you no. didn't have stanley in that cemetery when they're they trying to investigate and figure out like um when they said the 11th left i think it was and then the woman's name like, yes, I think I think yes. that whole thing was, could just be cut out and it would be the same the same plot. And that was, like, at least 20 pages, I think.
0: Yeah, it was a very long span that just kind of threw everything off. There was a couple of other parts I can't recall at the moment. I'd actually have to go back and look. But that was a big one that I do agree with.
1: Would you have written anything differently? Would you simply rearrange it or would you take
0: out parts? I don't really think that I would take out parts Um, some of the story could have been rearranged a little but overall I think I mean it was written it was written well I think she's I think she might have written a lot of this um, maybe as a precursor to the third one to kind of throw us off of you know but the difference between her first book and this one there was a stark difference between the writing styles you know
1: yeah yeah that's very apparent how did you feel about the end of the books where she started doing that funky writing where she would like space the letters out farther and then line them differently
0: Honestly, I was not a fan. I wasn't either. It just it to me it didn't make sense. I mean, unless I'm missing something, it just it didn't really make sense to me to have it like that when the entirety of the book other than that part was written normally, I guess you'd say. Yeah, I mean, I kind of understand the point of it.
1: Um I think there was a lot of mention of the gun. Yes. Um, and that affecting her. Right. And I think that the ending format was meant to show, like, just how much anxiety that she was having from knowing that she had the gun, you know, everything that had just happened in front of her really happened, and there was nothing she could do to prevent it in any way. Right. Um, Because as stated in the book... um. Charlie would have found any way to kill him. And it was just Jamie that happened to be catfish that was willing to do so much for this catfish. Absolutely. Um, so I think I think the plot um, would have happened either way. Yes. With Stanley e- being ended up
0: dead. Yeah, I believe so. It was either going to be... Unfortunately, Jamie got pulled into the situation. You know, the things you do for someone you think you love... Or people, yeah, people you think you love. I mean, he never met this girl. Girl. But he was willing to do whatever it took to gain her approval, basically. Which shows, I think that it could be me, but you could read deeper into that, you know? He was not a very confident person. You know, he was very self-conscious. And he was looking for the approval of anybody who would really give him attention that acted like they cared about him. Because his dad
1: didn't. Because, yeah,
0: (laughs) he... Well, he thought his dad didn't, you know? The way his dad talked to him and all the arguments they had, he was looking for the approval of somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So, as the book
1: written how it is now, do you think it is a realistic book of a podcast thriller? Do you think this is something that could actually happen
0: yeah i feel yeah i definitely feel like it's something that could happen in real life potentially not to the extent maybe but yes overall the book was pretty realistic um definitely went more in depth of emotions in the second book but overall yeah i think it could happen do you think it's plausible
1: yeah i definitely think um the whole investigation creating your own platform to show what type of evidence you have having a following um i definitely think that's a real thing um what's what's the name of that girl that you watch on youtube where she does her makeup and Bailey has the crime thing yeah see like that i mean that's i think a real life example except she's just more so restating the facts and the case as it is. Right. Um, but as far as, you know, people in your town coming to purposely, well, it wasn't really directed at her since they were looking for child Brunswick and she just got in the middle of it because Jamie went missing. Um, I feel like that part would not realistically happen. No. You wouldn't be drawn into some random missing person's case and i think the same thing can be shown for the book sadie i mean her sister went missing and she just went looking for her sister right and some and some guy just picked it up on a local radio yeah so um i don't i don't think he would be involved in any direct crime
0: i did appreciate like the mixed media in this book though Oh, yeah, definitely. Which makes it more realistic, because if you look at other true crime podcasters, um, as a great example, if you listen to their podcast, oftentimes they refer to pictures or videos even in their blog post to keep everything more cohesive. Right. You can go back and look at the evidence that they have, kind of like how Pip added... She added pictures of, you know, the missing knife, um where the knife was found and articles or not articles, but comments from people that were commenting on her podcast and on her Twitter and everything like that. I can say one thing that I
1: extremely appreciate and this could just be from reading a few fantasy books that have maps um because there's so many so much world building and traveling right if your characters are not situated in one place one road one house you know if this is a clue type of situation you don't have to have a map but if your characters are moving from road to road or from house to house anything in that nature i think you should be compelled to provide a map Otherwise, I'm just looking at all of these roads and houses in one just area when in reality they could be, you know, miles from each other. Exactly. And, you know, I just think it I think it really helped the book because I referenced it quite a bit to try and figure out, Okay, well, where could Jamie have gone in this distance? And, you know, I think it just really helps the the narrative of the story.
0: I liked um, the map that was like in the center of the book. Once they figured out Jamie's Fitbit, Mm -hmm. how they went back and they marked different places of like where he could have gone in this many steps, you know, and all the significant locations such as Nat's house, the party and everything else you could, it was visual. It kind of brought you in more instead of just playing a guessing game. Like you Mm -hmm. said, I mean, they could be miles apart, However, in this case, that would be unrealistic. You know, he's obviously somewhere in a certain vicinity. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely,
1: I definitely think that provides a lot of help. I don't know why you wouldn't provide a map. Like, in the first one, I can't think of any logical reason why there wasn't a map.
0: Right, because she went all over the place.
1: She she went more, I think, in the first one than she did this one.
0: I do too. Um, considering all the 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 people of interest she had, um, the locations of, you know, where Andy was found and Sal, the killer, the dad, like his house in relation to you know where A- A- the girl he thought was Andy. Mm -hmm. might have been found wandering you know that would have been nice to see oh yeah
1: i think and i don't know what just made me think of this do you remember the list of potential suspects that was recurring in the first book
0: yes how she would add or take away i
1: think she should have had that one in this one too because there were times where i literally was sitting there and i was like who the heck is charlie Right. I couldn't remember, and then I'd have to flip back, and I'd be like, oh, okay, this is so-and-so, then who's the history teacher again? And, yeah. you know, I feel, I wish there would have been a little bit more character, I don't know, relationship development in the story, so that way we could remember easily who
0: each of the um, characters were. Right. Because, um... The history teacher kind of played not a major role, but he did have a, you know, a decent part in this book, but he was kind of just thrown in there. Do you think there should have been more talking, more I don't, interactions? I don't know about talking. Um, Definitely could have been more interactions, uh, especially between like Pip and Charlie, You know, obviously, he was the person that was behind all of this, but we really didn't hear about him much. Like, he wasn't a significant player until the very end. Yeah. You know, there were, like, sparse interactions here and there, but nothing that would make him memorable. That when we got to the end of the book, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, he was in all of these parts. I can definitely see that. How original do you think this book is or unique is there anything that stood out that you haven't um
1: read in other books to be quite honest i haven't really read a lot of podcast thrillers um i don't think they're written that often um as far as directly relating to another podcast thriller sadie is the only one that i've read um and i particularly was not a fan of that book um because of the ending um there there was no solution you right. um you didn't find out if sadie was killed after going to that house you didn't find out anything about that um and that left me very frustrated to go through that whole three four hundred book and not have a solution at all it just left an un, an unopened book and that really pissed me off um right.
0: And there's been no talk of a second book for that one, correct? Cr-
1: from from what I know.
0: Right. So, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a fan. Yeah. Was not a fan. So, um, as
1: far to go back to the question, as far as this one I think this one is written as a podcast thriller should be in my envision of what a podcast thriller should be.
0: Right. Uh, The first podcast thriller I read was Sadie as well. Um, It's not a common book theme, I guess you would say. Um, And I've read many thriller books, young adult thriller books, all of the above thriller. And there's not many authors that write in that style that she did. Yeah. Or she is writing. Okay, so
1: if you could hear the same story from another person's point of view, who would you choose and why?
0: Are we talking like another person, another character? Yeah. Because the other character that I would choose is definitely Ravi. You think? I think it would be fun to hear his perspective. I mean, he is the boyfriend of this teenage investigator that is so enthralled with what she's doing, you know, and he's just tagging along for it all. He's very supportive, which I appreciate, but he's very involved as well in dealing with a girlfriend that she has made this basically her life at the moment, especially in the first one, you know, they weren't, they weren't technically together, but he still tagged along for everything. And in the second one, She told him that she wasn't going to do this anymore. She wasn't going to investigate anymore. And she is. But he was supportive all the way throughout. So I would like to see his perspective on how he feels about things. um, And his thoughts basically on each case that they've done.
1: As far as the first one, I would have said I would love to have seen Robbie's point of view. Right. Um, I appreciate the author's. Um, character banter between the two. I absolutely love when characters just snip at each other for no reason and, you know, find... It's a a little bit of um, relief from the, you know, escapism thriller that you're supposed to be feeling. Um, But for this book, I was a little disappointed that Ravi didn't have much of a role. I mean, I do understand him being in the trial and watching Max and, you know... Right. all of that go down and updating pip about it but if i were to pick another character's point of view for just this book i would have to say I connor see that. because i mean him and pip were literally together almost the whole entire book just like her and robbie robbie right. were in the first one so i think it would have been interesting to see behind the scenes of what was happening in his yes. household While all of this was going down. How was his dad acting? Was his mom still acting suspicious? That type of thing.
0: If we're going with Connor. Which I can definitely see and agree with. Also his thoughts about. You know the case and everything. Because I mean this is his own brother. I feel like we also didn't get all of Connor's. Full thoughts in this. Mainly because you know obviously the book is centered around Pip. And her investigation. But we didn't get. There, We got a lot of his thoughts and how he felt and how he wanted to proceed and all of this. His directness and was very eager to go along with everything. But how he felt behind the scenes, you know, in his house, just like how his parents were acting and how he was acting too, you know?
1: I feel like a lot of it was kind of toned down a bit because... Pip kept saying, don't read the comments. Don't, you know, get yourself overthinking about it. It is what it is, that type of thing. And I think that's a little bit unrealistic. Yeah. Um. You know, if I had a video or, you know, a podcast of my father being a potential suspect for something happening to my brother, I think I'd be a little bit irate. And sort of asking every question I could and coming up with every question, every um, situation in which he couldn't, I would try very hard to prove someone wrong that it in fact was not my father. And I feel like Pip really didn't, even though she was familiar with the process, she really didn't help him understand that it should be okay to ask those type of questions. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, you can relate that to real life situations I follow a lot of true crime pages, you know, and a lot of people are like, you know, Mm -hmm. this happened to my family member, you know, or whatever. And people are, you're, you're going to read the comments. I mean, it's unrealistic to expect them not to, especially if it's someone in your immediate family or not even immediate, your extended family, your cousin or whoever, you know, they're going to ask questions. You're going to want to read it. You want to see what other people have to say. If something happened, like you said, if my father was being accused of something, you best believe that I'm going to be reading Mm -hmm. it and trying to prove everybody wrong that he didn't do it. Now, could the situation have been that he did do it? It could have been.
1: Yeah, I almost... I don't know. I almost would have preferred that, you know, maybe the plot ended up with the dad doing something. And, um, you know, I almost would have preferred that because it would have just been... It wouldn't have been out of the blue, but it would it would have made more sense than the plot
0: line that we were given. Right, because all throughout the book, she definitely portrayed the dad as kind of a standoffish, sketchy type guy. Mm -hmm. You know, he was not concerned. He didn't want to be involved in anything. And some of the comments that he made towards Jamie were definitely unnecessary. So if he played a role in all of it, it would have made sense. More so than Charlie coming up in the last 20 pages and he's the catfish, he's the killer, you know, blah, 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 and all of this other thing. And then he just runs off into the wild blue yonder. Yeah, exactly.
1: As far as the evidence in the book, do you think it was enough evidence to keep you guessing? Was it not enough? Was it the right type of evidence?
0: I was definitely guessing throughout majority of the book um guessing on the wrong people because we got more information about everybody else in the book than the actual suspect I mean we got we got Max which has a violent history you know he's been in trouble before we got mom that she was acting kind of sus yeah we had dad who was definitely acting a little off and weird, but that was all the wrong evidence <laughs> or hints, you know?
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like the the evidence from the first one, I feel like we were definitely being narrowed down to individuals. Yes. Going back to that list, you know, we were strictly working off of that list that she provided. Um, right. With this one, I feel like we were just going in circles. I feel yes. like- The only real evidence that mattered was the $900. Yeah. Everything else, the knife, I don't even remember what, um, oh yeah, he was gonna, Jamie was gonna go stab him.
0: Yeah. And so he stole the knife.
1: Yeah, that, that knife played such a big deal in the plot that I don't think it should have.
0: No. Like, they focused on that knife, and then they found it. And it was nothing. Yeah, Absolutely like, nothing. It hadn't been used.
1: Yeah, like, good for and you.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. I good job. I, I don't know how else she could
1: have made that knife come into another page. And you're just Seriously, like, all right, though. already. Um, I feel like Me- the Fitbit was a good touch. It was, yeah. Um, I, I personally would have liked to know that it was a Fitbit. That the watch, he was wearing was the fitbit you know the fitbit yeah. was only mentioned the first uh, like couple pages in the book as a birthday present but then you're just like why would you mention a fitbit but then later on you know three quarters into the book once you realize the fitbit is the watch that he's wearing then yeah. it makes way much more sense on why they're focusing on this fitbit
0: Which I like how she added that in. It wasn't abrupt like some of the other things that she added in. Mm -hmm. You know, she gave a little hint at the beginning. You might have forgot about it for a while. But when you read it, like you said, three quarters of the way in, you're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, he got this as a birthday present. And it is of significance. I think
1: one thing I did not appreciate about the evidence is the fact that we focus so much time on what Jamie was wearing. Yeah. I think Pip spent so much time trying to figure out the timeline on where he went missing and who last saw him and what he was wearing that I just think the author could have provided us with so much more clues in that time period than just focusing on
0: What he was at what
1: time was Jamie last seen and with who? Right. Um. Because in the end, what he was wearing really didn't come out to matter to anything.
0: No, and I understand that in a missing person person's case, it is it is important to note what they are wearing, but like she she put so much emphasis on the outfit, and you know when they were talking to the. The people that said they saw him, she went back and forth with Connor and, you know, herself about, well, actually, he wasn't wearing a hoodie or, you know, but they said that he was wearing this and, and the, what he left in was not that and blah, 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 you know. It was kind of just a garbled mess that it could have been left out, you know, initially stating what he wore, sure, but you didn't have to drag it out in 15 other pages. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Even though this book, you know, took so long to write, I I don't know. I just think it just was not done as an equal to the first one.
0: Oh, absolutely not. The first one was much more put together. Um, it had a lot more detail in it to me. Like you said, the list, that was one of my favorite parts about the first book and that list set the tone for the entire book you know she didn't stray off and give you know hints about other people she stuck to that list and we got a lot more detail about those people yeah, too i agree
1: yeah i feel i feel like once she created that list we were strictly working and having conversations with those people on the list and not just random you know, bookstore owners that happen to see Jamie, they think at ten. Right, something, like that was
0: a very random. Yeah, that was a very random add in. Because what the only significance that the book owners played was they were the grandsons of the woman yeah. in the cemetery. Yeah, that w- that literally was it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> there's no yeah, significance I, I to I don't that understand. though.
1: Yeah. Ugh. You know, I, I wanted so much to love this book as much as the first one. And when, you know, when we decided on doing this podcast about it, I was like, oh, I can't wait to dive deep into it. But the more that we talk about it, the more it just makes me realize this is not a five star book to the first one. And that's kind of sad.
0: Yes, Um Initially, like we talked about in the beginning, I would give it, you know, five stars for different reasons. However, once we have dived deeper as we've gone on, I really don't think so. There were a lot of missing pieces to this book. Now, what should have been added in, I'm not sure because I'm not the one who wrote it. But I feel like she could have changed things, added more detail, um provided information of more significance throughout the book than what she did
1: yeah i feel like if you're going to write a thriller that you should have enough time in between the publication of your first book if you're going to continue the series that is and your second book and listen to the feedback that people are giving you I think that is one of the genres that absolutely you have to consider what your audience audience wants. Um, you yes. know, there have been a, many successful thriller horror authors um, and they really cater towards the spe- the specifics that their audience likes. For example, um, Stephen King. Um,
0: oh yeah.
1: Who, who wrote um, TikTok i'll have to look on goodreads um but i mean he does great niche thriller um books yeah <laughs> and um it's like not shabosky because that's the lady from um <clears throat> how i met your mother um <laughs> but it had he has a name like that let me see <clears throat> oh well that's not who i'm thinking of but anyway Dean Koontz. He does great Uh, horror thriller books. Yes. Um, Yeah, that is not who I was thinking of. There's someone who wrote um, The Perks of Being a Wallflower.
0: Wildflower? Wallflower? Uh, I know who it is because she wrote another book that I actually own. Steven Chbosky.
1: Yeah. That's who I was thinking of. Um he wrote imaginary friends um or friend rather, and that was a yes, that was a thriller one um right, but you know going going back, I feel like you know, if Holly Jackson were to watch this podcast, even though we're just two um you know <laughs> fans of hers, um I hope she you know takes into consideration. The feedback that people give her, especially, you know, with Goodreads being out and people, other people making, you know, YouTube videos right. and things, reviewing books. I feel like you as an author should have an obligation to make sure your audience is liking what you write and, you know, make detail about what they do and do not like. You know, it's different for yeah, one. Absolutely. For one group of people say if you took all of her audience if only like 10 or 15 people said oh well I don't like the list being in the book but then you had the whole other whatever thousands of thousands of people saying we like the list write the list in the book
0: yeah yeah keep the list you know you're not going to please everybody with everything that you do however if you have the majority speaking on something that they enjoy or do not enjoy yeah take that into consideration what i would say is she hasn't written many books you know she has good girl a good girl's guide to murder good girl bad blood and this one she wrote for world book day in the uk but to me it seemed like on in the first book she went in with so much fire and so much passion for writing this book and then it kind of trailed mm-hmm. off in the second one. You know, like, there were aspects of the second book that I really enjoyed, like the map, um, the pictures of the comments from Twitter and her podcast, and all of that, but there were a lot of things in the first one that just really drew me in that kept me wanting to read more. And I think that's why you and I both went into the second book with such high expectations, and and so much want to read this book because the first one was just, yeah, I mean, it was that I good. I agree.
1: I mean, I don't think I've ever read a book faster than you have. And, you know, getting through this one, I was, I was, I was a little bit disappointed, which also is another thing. Um, yeah. I watched her. I think we both watched her Instagram lives that she posted, you know, half a year ago, if not more, um, where she was explaining Yeah, Um, a question and answer um story, and she was talking about how she loved this story more than the first one. And I really would like to answer why.
0: Yeah. Because
1: I mean, that is one thing that really stuck out in my head was she was so proud of this one. I mean, not saying you shouldn't be proud of your work. I think it's amazing to publish a book and have an audience that really enjoys it. But what what made you like this more than the last one?
0: What, yeah. Why did this one stand out so much more to you? Because in my opinion, I appreciated the first book significantly more than the second one. I did like I said I like the pictures in this one. This kind of catered. It seemed like it almost catered more towards like the blog side of things instead of the podcast mm-hmm. side of things. Um, I did like the the commentary of when she was interviewing people. You know how it went in like a a playset type of vibe. Um, I did like that. Now in her third book, I am still very excited to read the third one. I want to see how all of it comes together in the end. But I definitely feel. Like she should kind of intertwine some of the the themes and writing styles from the first one and the second one to make the third one make sense yeah. and mesh well together.
1: As far as our opinion relative to the Goodread's opinion, um um A Good Girl's Guide to Murder got 56,720 ratings with an average of a 4.34 um star rating whereas um Good Girl Bad Blood though it hasn't been out as long obviously it's been 2 years almost since um A Good Girl's Guide to Murder was published but Good Girl Bad Blood has 10,754 ratings with an average of a 4.48. So, you know, obviously there's a 46,000 review gap um, between the two. Right. But so far, with the book being out for a month, it ha- it's getting a better rating than the last one. I guess we'll have to check back and do an update once it gets to you know maybe the 2 year mark or something where we could compare um but honestly the right. reviews we we are not the majority in this one
0: which is very interesting to me like i wonder i wonder what other people's thoughts are on this book that has made them like it so much more than the first one um
1: i'm trying to quickly skim to see what others are saying I think it's the ending that people are really just hitting home. Um, I think it's the fact that it just came out of nowhere and how she came full circle with the plot. You know, not, not very many people are mentioning how they preferred the writing style of the first one. I mean, almost every single one of these reviews that I've clicked on has talked about the ending and how it just came out of nowhere and how they appreciated yeah. that. So maybe you know maybe we are you know in not the majority in the situation but I think it's helpful to have criticism and to maybe see it from someone else's point of view.
0: Right. Well, I I wasn't I'm not a huge fan, but I can see it. It also leaves a lot to the imagination of how she thinks the third mm-hmm. book is or how you think the third book yeah. is going to go, you know. Like the first one you know, you can read it and not read another book of hers. And it yep. makes sense. You know, it was open and closed, beginning to end. That was it. Um, this one is definitely not that type of book. You couldn't just read it yep. and be done. One, because you need, you don't need, but it's helpful to have the history from the first book. You know, of how Pip came to start investigating And how her and Ravi are now a thing, you know. And then the ending, you need the third book to hopefully tie it all together. Yeah,
1: yeah. going back to what you said in the beginning of the podcast, I definitely think it's a book that's meant to join the two. I feel like if this book were to be made into a movie, I would have appreciated the ending more. Because I feel like in a movie, you have way more time to get to know the characters, you can put a face to the characters, you can, you know, start thinking about everything that could possibly happen. Whereas in a book, I feel like you're not really guessing until you hit that point in the book where you've read it. Um, Right. Or, you know, read the part in the book that makes you start guessing. Um, For example, Behind Her Eyes, is that the new show that i told you to watch behind her eyes yep have you finished that yet nope oh well i'm not going to spoil it but the ending of that it's very much like this book very much like this book the ending Mm -hmm. comes out of nowhere and it relatively makes the whole series make sense And yeah, um, I feel like the third book for this book is going to be that ending where it all makes sense. Um, Right. But as far as pacing wise, I feel like this book and that TV show are very much similar. There's a lot of questioning, a lot of evidence being entered here and there, a lot of people coming in and out. And right. I think if you appreciated this book and you loved the ending, then you're going to love that show. So go watch it. Because, wow! But yeah, back to my point. If this was made into a, a movie or a TV show, I would have appreciated it much more. Um, because yeah. that ex- that big of ex- explosion of something happening like that in the end would have just been way more appreciated than just being being it read and then a few pages later having it end how it ended was just like, oh, okay. Well, I'll right. wait for the next one. Of,
0: <laughs> it was kind of anticlimactic.
1: Yep. Hmm.
0: In book form.
1: In book form, yeah, yeah.
0: I do think, though, that her writing in this one was definitely giving hints to something more. Because in this one, she did put a lot of emphasis on Max. You know, his trial, how things ended, Pip seeing him out in public. You know, there was a lot more emphasis on Max than I thought there would be. For it to be about a completely different case that she has decided to investigate.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Max, how did you feel about him getting off on his uh, charges?
0: Very pissed off. I was not thrilled in the slightest with how it ended. Especially since the first book had so much evidence against him, you know. Mm -hmm. And the recording that she has of him where he literally admitted to it. It really kind of threw me for a loop that in this book, she decided that he was going to be found not guilty of everything. What is your plans or what were your plans or your thoughts behind that? Why did you do that? There has to be a reason, I feel, that she specifically made it that way.
1: I feel like this could be now... You know, I know a lot of people were not a fan of 13 Reasons Why. Um, Mm -hmm. I read the book as like a requirement in school. And I liked the book. Um, I didn't particularly see anything wrong with the movie adaptation. um, Disregarding the whole, you know, girl killing herself and, you know, that that whole thing. But I feel like the whole plot... If Bryce would have been convicted of his crimes, all of them way more to the extent than what he was just put on trial for, then I feel like the book would have lost a lot of momentum. And the reason I say that is because I read a quote somewhere, heard it somewhere, can't recall. So if anyone knows what this quote is from, please let me know. But... Someone said that a book is not as good as the antagonist. The antagonist in your book literally propels every single thing in your book. Absolutely. So for Max being the big antagonist in the first one, I feel like he needs to come back in some way for someone to get their revenge on him in the third one. Exactly. That would make way more sense. That would tie everything together. It would just really work because I feel like if you let this man off, especially in a time like this, you know, with all of the injustices happening towards um, sexual assault victims and everything, um, you know, they're just not getting the justice that they deserve, even with every bit of evidence just spilled out on the table right there where it is. Um, so right. I feel like she needs to do at least society in this imaginary book right and she needs to have some type of revenge plot towards Max. It only makes sense.
0: And she definitely could. Maybe, you know, that's what she's getting at with him getting off in the second book, you know. I sure hope so. Obviously, I don't I don't know her thoughts, but maybe the second book with this information about Max plays a bigger role than we think at the moment. I do appreciate the fact that the third book is coming out a lot sooner than the second one did.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Which we did get it a little later than everyone in the UK. Right. Um, You know, we were late to the publishing game. (laughs) Thanks. Um, If you got a chance to ask the author one question, about this what, book, what made it, it
0: stand apart from the first one that you absolutely love so much about it?
1: I would ask, what made you pick the, the plot of Stanley being uh, Child Brunswick? And how, how did that plot ever come into right. your head?
0: That was a very interesting find, I guess you'd say. I was not expecting that. But, if you look back at the first and and this book for the most part, Stanley was definitely kind of standoffish. you know he was kind of to himself he was he was a little strange if you looked at it, you would probably be like, "Oh wow, you know he's not really he's just kind yeah. of there, you know, but that was obviously her intention because he's in witness protection, he's trying to stay protected." So he's not going to throw himself out in the middle of everything, you know, but how he came to be the son of a serial killer in the second book is definitely an interesting question, (laughs) you know, why, why him specifically?
1: I can only imagine like a corkboard of her having red lines drawn to this plot and this plot and, you know, (laughs) trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I connect this and this and
0: make it make sense? Which would yeah, be perfect in the type yeah. of book that she books she has written to have the cork board, the evidence board, you know, to come up with her ideas.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Well, is there anything else you can think of, think about the book or question? No, or I think we anything like that. I think we dove pretty We're deep into, into an it. Hour here. So what? is the next book we're going to review when should we expect it are
0: we, are we sticking with Addie LaRue or are we
1: I mean yeah if that's what the, that's should the we book go we to go with
0: in that direction we go from a young adult podcast thriller and the complete opposite direction of the invisible life of Addie LaRue
1: yeah I feel like we can Add a bit, of, add a little bit of spice.
0: We are all about the say. book diversity. Yep. Yes, we are. So, the invisible life of next Addie Larue. It's gonna be about the devil
1: making deals with the devil. Spicy. We love
0: making deals with the devil. We sure do. All right. Until next time, my holla friends. at you
1: then. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs>